Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Hello, everyone, and thanks again for listening to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. It's Kylie here, and today I'm joined with Mr. Dennis Burns and Mr. R.L. Frazier, and our special guest today is Dr. Daniel Stevenson. Say hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here. Thanks for uh, the invitation. Yeah, well, um, let's get on and get started. Um, Dr. Stevenson, you sent out an email last week about, um, you know, burn down with the ice and the, you know, the, the ice storm we had a couple weeks ago. Um, why don't we start there and uh, get to talking about burn down? Well, for the individuals who had burned down, prior to the ice storm and had been, you know, at least four to five, six days prior to the, the beginning of the drop of the snow and the ice, technically they should be okay. Um, glyphosate is an extreme translocator. Well, as long as it had a glyphosate-based um, burn down. Those treatments should be okay. If there was 2,4-D in it, typically 2,4-D and dicamba as well as elevore, their activity is involved with the plant actually growing. So you would have to have some growth really for their activity to, to do well. So that's um, a lot of this, you know, it's not like I've got, I don't have any research data on snow and ice <laughs> on weeds. So it's really just looking at the, the physiology of the weed and understanding the, the mechanism of action of the herbicide. So I've kind of set a deadline in my head that if you had, so the snow started dropping on Saturday. So if you sprayed a treatment on Wednesday, you were borderline to where it's going to actually work. If you'd gone say Monday or Tuesday or either the Sunday prior, we know the glyphosate had been able to move around through the plant. The the 2,4-D, if it was in the mix, really is it, depending on how well and how much the weed had grown. So I'm hearing about, you know, guys, I got to respray or, or I've had a failure. It's quite possible that this is just new growth that we're seeing. You may see some regrowth of these weeds that were either sprayed or most likely sprayed. Um, if they were damaged by the snow, they're absolutely going to regrow. Very few winter annuals were actually killed um, from everything I've seen in driving around. And um, so if you have to retreat, I mean, there's, there's it's an act of God, guys, because with the amount of snow we had, let's say if you had six inches of snow, to me it feels like we've had 15 inches of rain. Well, yeah. if you put a residual herbicide out, Valor, Esmetola, Chlor, for example, they're not going to be around. They're gone. Um, products like Leadoff had the opportunity to kind of hang around, but Leadoff is a very good translocator as well, similar to glyphosate. So I could understand why if you had a glyphosate Leadoff, you'd see a little more activity. So in other words, we're just starting over. So going into beans and going into cotton, you're actually going to be burning down when we'd like to see you burn down in the first place, four to six weeks before you plant, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going into corn, then you're going to be out there as quickly as possible. And if you've got regrowth, uh, Paraquat is going to be your friend. If you want to plant within the next seven days or so, 
which I don't, you know, looking at the forecast, who knows if you're going to be able to do that. If you've got two plus weeks of planning, another glyphosate application may suffice. So really it's determining Kylie, Dennis, Norrell, whether we are going after regrowth of old weeds or this is new emergence. Daniel. Yes, sir. Okay, I got a question. Uh, okay, some of this hen bit, the big old hen bit that's been up since last year. Yeah. And it's It went through the snow and it's all brown, but it's still got a little bit of life left in it. Do And, and there's no other weeds out there. It was thick enough maybe. Um, and they haven't burned down yet for corn, cotton or soybeans. Do they need to worry about burning that down like is that or is it just going to die on its own i guess is what i'm asking it's it's typically going to die on its own dennis now research up in the midwest has shown that henbit can be a host for soybean cyst nematode mm-hmm. uh i'm not an uh, pathologist to know if we have a problem with soybean cyst nematodes in the state so typically it's just going to die out on its own so mm-hmm. i really wouldn't be that concerned about it so you're not you're going to go out with some heavy rain or some special mixture to take out this old, tough hen bit? No, and I'll tell you, Dennis, if, let's say they're going to plant corn. You mentioned cotton and soybeans, but let's say it's corn, and that's your problem. You've got old yeah. hen bit. Paraquat plus a pint of atrazine does wonders on that kind of on those hen bit. As long as you put it out with a ground rig with at least – 15, 12 to 15 gallons of water so you get coverage. Then you just desiccate it. The problem with glyphosate and 2,4-D on henbit like that, so old henbit, you know, may or may not have powdery mildew on it. Mm-hmm. And so that plant has completed its life cycle and it's beginning to senesce. Yeah. There, therefore, you do not have the leaf tissue that can intercept the herbicide. And mm-hmm. then it's not actively growing you know, so it because glyphosate travels on the sugars in the flow of the plant down to the roots and up to the growing point. So if that's not actively moving, then the glyphosate is not going to be as effective. And 2,4-D, really the plant's got to grow for it to be maximally effective, and the plant's not doing that. So that's the reason that we see poor activity out of glyphosate and 2,4-D on old hembit, mm-hmm. such as that. So if I'm a corn grower and I'm going to drag my rows off, then I'm just dragging my rows off and going if that's my problem. If I'm going into soybeans or cotton and I only have old hen bit, really nothing else, um, I'm just watching the seeing and not yep. and just maybe to peter out. But Dennis, you and I both know that new weeds are going to emerge in that field. It's not just going to stay oh, old hen bit. Yeah, they're they're coming up now. I mean, they're already starting to come up. Hen bits coming up. Uh, you can probably find a little ryegrass. I haven't seen mare's tail yet. You know, the only place that I'm seeing mare's tail, I know this is a, a Delta River or Parish River podcast, but down in St. Landry Parish, they're reporting to me that mare's tail is coming up like gangbusters. Hmm. So it's quite possible that we begin to see it emerging, but that's the good news is, guys that are listening, hen bit that emerges this time of the year, 
mare's tail that emerges this time of the year is relatively easy to kill with our standard herbicides that we use. <clears throat> when we have the problems with hen bit, it emerges in the fall. It's completing its life cycle. When we have a lot of significant problems with mare's tail or horseweed, it's emerged in the fall, and it may only be above ground six inches tall, but that dog on tap root will be a foot in the ground. Mm-hmm. So when it emerges this time of the year, and it's really small, it's, we can kill it. I'm not saying glyphosate is going to kill it because we know it's resistant to glyphosate, but it is very responsive to a 2,4-D, a dicamba, an elevore, a uh, paraquat atrazine. Um, if you're in corn, you have emerged mare's tail in you know, young corn. Um, Haley's GT mm-hmm. plus atrazine is a very good choice. Um, status which is a herbicide by BASF, is dicamba and diflufenzapyr. Very good. So we have some good bullets to manage manage these weeds right now. Okay. Well, that was, you know, people get, they, right now everybody's concerned about, I got to get, you know, I got cotton and soybeans and I got to get it burned down. You know, I, I, I got my corn ground burned down and I got I to gotta get my other burned down now. And well, we got all the old hen bit out there and it's all brown and, you know, well, if, if we, let's, let's peg April 15th. Now, would you three agree that April 15th is kind of the beginning of, mostly the beginning of soybean and cotton planting? Would you three agree with that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, we're six weeks. Week one way or the other. We are, within well, we're five to seven weeks away. So mm-hmm. we are just now getting into the window that our data shows you should burn down. Yeah, okay. I mean, most of these, most farmers that I deal with, they start burning down their corn ground, and while they're at it, they just keep burning down. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's January, 1st of February at the latest. Nothing is going to hold. I don't care if you even put Valor with it. It's not going to hold you completely clean until you get out there or planting so oftentimes you got to do something else now many will they're going to put out a pre for pigweed control they'll just put some paraquat with it and fry whatever's up mm-hmm. if they would have burned down you know at a minimum four four weeks before planting they may not have to use that paraquat in in that application just use their residual herbicide mm-hmm. so in my opinion by going early you're Dang, they're guaranteeing you're going to spend more money later prior to planting cotton or soil things. Okay. I got another question. Can I have another question? Uh, it's your podcast, dude. Kylie, Kylie's in charge. Uh, we made, RL and I had a, we had a vote uh-huh. and RL and I voted to put Kylie in charge. And Kylie wasn't there. against it, but, you know, democracy, we just, we overruled her. Now, my question is, okay, if I wanted to, and you're saying like right now with the, the summer weed, the end of the winter weeds and summer weeds are coming on for corn and I mean for cotton and soybeans. If I wanted to wait a little while, make sure I got them all up and I, I could use dicamba, would dicamba take out, like I use Roundup and dicamba say three weeks from now, everything is up and I want to just start clean where I didn't, I want one shot to do. And I'm going to put out Roundup Dicamba 
is that and I leave out the two four D is will that still do the job? Depends on the weed species. Um, you know, two four D is better on some of the weeds. You know, it's better on handbit than dicamba, obviously. Um, but the glyphosate on the newly emerged handbit should take it out relatively easily. Um, but yeah, you're gonna catch your clovers. You're gonna get your mare's tail. Um, you're gonna be a little weak, in my opinion, on your primrose. You came and looked at some of that for us one time when we left that out, and I think yep. the cut leaf got really bad, yep. and that was because we left that out. Yep. So, and then you're at three weeks. Then it's three weeks from now puts you at three weeks approximately from planting. You know that April fifteenth date. That's getting a little tight, honestly. Yeah. So, in the next two weeks, the, these weeds should be plenty plenty emerged enough and growing to with the temperatures we've had and mm -hmm. plenty of moisture obviously so i i would expect i would hope ground rigs can be running in the next two weeks but at least airplanes flying again yeah okay well i'm just you know people say well if i just wait one more week and i can just make one shot you know and i'm gonna well, plant my camera soybeans or whatever Oh, RL. RL wants to cheat. Wants to talk now. <laughs> I, I, well, I, I, hang on, RL. Let me say something real quick. <laughs> I will, Dennis and guys. So, if a girl wants to use glyphosate and two four D, I'm sorry, glyphosate and dicamba, and they have, you know, they go out in their field because of the ice and the snow has kind of burned everything back, and but they can see a, you know, significant amount of soil enough that if they include Valor in the mix, can make it to the ground. Mm -hmm. Valor can be applied up until planting, obviously, in soybeans. It's 30 days prior to planting on cotton, so we're within that range. So if you, if you can get that residual down to the ground, that will help you keep you clean um, up till up till planting. So that's an option for you there. So, okay. RL. What's your question? Oh, well, I want to go back to this corn, and either I missed the answer or, or you didn't give it. Uh, where the hen bits there, we're just going to drag the top of the rows off, and we're going to plant. Yep. I'm great with that, okay? No problem. What do we need to follow up with behind the planter? With our just normal uh, post-emergent, uh, pre-emergent, or like your atrazines, duals, or do we need to put a shot of Roundup or Gramoxone in there? Okay, number one, if when you drag that row off, if there's, you know, you're planting into a, a clean seed bed, RL, so that corn is emerging without anything competing with it, um, at that point, you're okay. You And if, if a grower wanted to delay for a post-emergence application, you know, six, eight, 12-inch corn, they could. So let, let me pause and, and let's go back from the beginning, RL. When our growers traditionally plant corn, so they're chomping at the bit about, you know, the middle of February to get started. Somebody generally always tries in February, but generally it's the first two weeks of March that our corn goes in the ground. When they plant at that point, regardless of where you are in the state, our data has shown that it does not matter whether you put a herbicide out behind the planter or you spray that herbicide treatment on eight inch corn 
you know, typically when you put them by your, your side-dress fertilizer, you're putting out the rest of your nitrogen, except for the tassel shot. It doesn't matter. As you delay planting, which it looks like we are going to do, then you're starting to bump up against protecting that seedling corn <clears throat> from the summer annual weeds <clears throat> that's going to emerge in April. So to answer your question, RL, with the hen bit, we drug off the row, it's out of the way. When do I spray? Depends on when you plant. If you are the last week of March into the first week of April, I'm going to suggest that you use your atrazine and your dual or whatever you choose to put down, which my data shows there's not really there's not anything better than atrazine dual. Put that down behind the planter. And then watch. If you don't have any weeds coming up when it when it's time to fertilize your corn, fertilize your corn. And then when that corn catches that fertilizer, it's going to outrun any weeds you got. Okay. Okay. If you plant third week of March or even the, you know, the beginning of the fourth week of March and you're clean, you don't have any weeds out there, you could delay that until you're out post-emergence. You know, six, eight, 12 inch corn, whenever they fertilize, typically is how it lines up. And if there's any summer annual weeds emerge, they're going to be an inch or less tall and you kill them with a glyphosate atrazine dual shot, or if they want to go a Halix GT atrazine shot, they annihilate them. And that's one of the reasons why our corn, it doesn't, you don't have to spend a lot of money killing weeds in corn early season because our corn is already up and growing by the time any of the summer annual weeds emerge. And then when we fertilize that <coughs> corn, that corn walks off and leaves it. Right? Right. Mm -hmm. Our concern is after harvest. That's where that's where our main weed problems are, but that's an investment in your future. That's post-harvest weed control, which that's kind of stepping out there. So it it really doesn't matter when you put it out based off data RL. Um, I've got growers who put everything down pre and walk away. I've got guys who don't spray until post and then walk away. And both of them end up with very similar results at the end of the year, which means they've got weeds in the row middles come August when they shell their corn. I reckon that's where I was going with this. You know, you drag the row, you plant your post at the proper time or not post, excuse me, pre, at mm -hmm. the proper time, you're okay. You don't have to follow the planter with a, a shot of Gramoxone or something in case there's something in the middle or something you missed. If there's something in the middle, so if there's henbit or any any biomass, any weed that can interfere with the growth of that spike in corn, it has the potential to reduce your yield because when corn emerges it wants to orient its leaves perpendicular to the row now it will turn so it'll orient its leaves away from it so 
when you do that, if you got a bunch of corn plants that are kind of twisting and turning and orient themselves, then the leaves are overlapping and they're competing for sunlight. And that is not maximizing yield. So that's why you, if you drag the row and there's nothing there, I wouldn't necessarily be that concerned about what's in the row middle. That's what I was after. Okay, I got I got a follow up question on the corn since Ariel got this. We're talking about pre emerge. If someone puts out their behind the planter, they spray everything right behind the planter. They're atrazine, their dual versus waiting till the corn's up and all that. What do they need a lay by application in the corn? <coughs> lay by meaning what, like twelve inch corn? No. Um, yeah, eighteen inch. Where last is the last the last time you can get through with a tractor? Well, the last time you can put atrazine on corn is twelve inches. Okay, well, yeah, all right. So now you and I both know some people don't do that, but we're not going to go down that road. No, we won't avoid that. But it's not so, on the label. Yeah. So label is twelve inch corn, and on normal planted corn, twelve inch corn is typically the second week of April. Uh, mm -hmm. which is when your summer annual weeds are emerging. And if you go over the top with it, you fry it. So when you put down the pre-herbicide, typically it's sitting there and it's catching and it's killing whatever germinates. So the yeah, atrazine and the dual are there. Or if you lose, use Lexar, the mesotrial. So the only benefit that spraying it post will give you and I'm talking normal planted corn, guys. I'm not talking about April 1 planted corn. Yeah. The only benefit that spraying it post rather than pre that it's going to give you is you get an additional three weeks of residual into the season. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest difference. But that's not necessarily going to affect corn yield because that corn's got the nitrogen. And you and I both know the difference between April 10th fertilized corn, which is newly fertilized, and May 10th is about three feet. Oh, yeah. So it's walking off and leaving. It's walking okay. off and leaving the things. Yeah. Now, Dennis, if you plant April 1 corn, you need to put something behind a planter, and then you need to follow up at lay-by. Okay. All right. Well, that was a, that was a question because it you know, a lot of people just try to spray either right behind the planter or as soon as it comes up to a stand, they spray it and they like to just walk away from it. You know? Yeah, well, if they plant the first two weeks of March, they can do that. Yeah. There's not a problem with that. But if we get into April, they could catch some problems. Okay. All right. All right. That's all the questions I got. <laughs> well, let's touch on back what we were talking about before we started recording was the wheat. Uh, Daniel, you had some a good report on what you've seen on the wheat so far. Yeah, uh, I was speaking with Dr. Paget, who's our state wheat specialist this morning. Um, he's reporting that the wheat is recovering well, particularly here at the research station. Uh, the official variety trial wheat, I mean, it was really ugly after the ice, obviously, because the desiccated leaves. But uh, his research associate, Mr. Fred Collins, went out and checked some of the growing points, and they were doing they were doing well. Um, so here at Dean Lee, the wheat looks fine. Uh, now, I'm not going to be a soothsayer and tell you that there's no yield reduction. And I'll be honest with you, if anybody ever tells you guys 
oh, you're going to have 10% yield reduction. They're full of it. Nobody can look at damage on a crop and tell you how much yield reduction you're going to have. But anyway, I digress. So it looks fine here. I haven't talked to Trey to know how it looks up at the at Winsboro. And Dennis, you reported there at St. Joe. How does the wheat look? You saw a little bit of differences in varieties. Yeah, it's variety. It's variety. Some look really bad, but no. I mean, I don't. I think it's mostly cosmetic. It's just you know. Sure, sure. And you know, I I kind of I equate that almost as if what we've seen with the winter wheats. Yeah, they were ugly, necrotic due to being in the cold. But they're going to regrow. And that's why, like, the first week, that's why I sent that email out, Kylie. The mm -hmm. first week after the snow, do not spray. Because all you're seeing is necrotic tissue that's not going to absorb and translocate said herbicides. All right? If you use, it wasn't going to allow Paraquat to reach any green material. But that was going to grow through it. That necrotic tissue was going to rot and go away, and you're going to have new growth, which is exactly what we're having this week. Mm -hmm. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's all I have for you, Dr. Stevenson. Dennis Ariel, got anything to add? No. Other kind of sounds like maybe the snow and the ice, even though it was aggravate, might have been a good friend to us in one way. It 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 very well it very well could. It very well could. Those guys that are gonna be respraying, you know, Dennis and I spoke this morning on the phone about some individuals who go out to respray. It's quite possible they would have had to respray anyway, even without the snow, just because they burned down so early. And this is just normal, normal growth for Louisiana. I mean, yeah. guys, this this is this is a, a tropical, almost a tropical climate, a subtropical climate, and with plenty of moisture, we got plenty of weeds to to deal with. So that's why us pest management guys love Louisiana. Plenty of weeds, insects, and diseases to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, we, we have got it. Give us time, and we'll get you one. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind. Of, that's kind of like. And this, we're at uh, the base of the, you know, where the river is, so we get, uh, you know, everybody's washdowns. So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, our, um, RL and I were up in uh, Lake Providence last week in the, the in the Bend area, and that's been flooded, and you know, you just get all those weeds from up north that come in and run down the river. They end up in that area, so uh, I'm. A, I shouldn't say excited to see. I'm not excited for anybody <laughs> to have a weed problem, but my academic side is excited to see what all comes up out there. You'll you'll be amazed at what comes up. I've seen it across the, the levee at Waterproof, and you'll be surprised at what comes up. Yeah, I, I found a few. Uh, it's on a deer lease behind the levee last year, riding through it looking. I hadn't seen that many cuckleburrs since I was a pup. <laughs> and I'm an old dog now. You know, in fact, some of them bounced in my truck. <laughs> and my grandsons found them, and they, they began to call them Velcro weeds or Velcro <laughs> seed or something. It's a pretty good name. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've yeah. always heard told that's where Velcro actually the 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 cocoa burn kind of gives somebody the idea to develop velcro from there i don't know one of them tails no i heard that too you know but makes sense it, but had, it, was, it, soft. it was soft. it was one of them fields dennis daniel y'all remember when you turn a cow or a horse loose and they come in and you just had to 
shear the tails off of them because mm -hmm. they're so full of cocoa burrs. Yep. Yep. That's, That's right. Uh, Kylie, we got any pesticide? There's one more pesticide meeting. Yeah. Um, I'll, um, Miss Carol in Franklin Parish has got two coming up on March 10th. There's going to be a morning and an afternoon session. But if you're interested and you hadn't gotten your recertification done for this year, um, give her a call and get on her list. Because I think her meeting capacity is she can only have 30 per session. So if you need if you need to get that done, contact her. Um, we also have two more virtual options left. That's going to be on the 17th and the 31st. Um, if y'all need the links to get to get to sign up for that reach out to us and we'll get that in your hands um and the last thing we have the the uh, soil health forum coming up um that's going to be uh march 17th at the research station at st joe um dennis you might could add a little more to it but um you can get uh phase two master farmer certification and certified crop advisor if you attend to that meeting yeah and uh, that's it. Uh, don't that's you have cool. to pre-register for that one as well? Uh, we yeah, we we'd like you to. There's a, there's a link to pre-register so we get a count because we're gonna feed you dinner. So, uh, but we've got some. We're gonna talk about cover crops. Gonna talk about some different things, and some of it will be reference strips and corn and cotton and uh, some crop rotation stuff. It's some pretty good pretty good information, and we'll also talk a little bit about pastures and. And I think Kylie's supposed to talk about pollinators. I hadn't agreed to anything yet. I mean, all you got to watch him, Kylie. He'll have you on the program and tell you five minutes beforehand. Well, I mean, what are pollinators? I mean, that's a big topic. That can go left or right, real fast and in real hurry. So. Yeah. I will get Daniel to come talk about pollinators. You know. <laughs> Now, I don't know if you want to do that. I kill things for a living, so you may want me there. That's me too. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a good one. Yeah, Seba might be better at that one. So. Yeah. Doctor Brown, I'll walk out of the office here and tell Doctor Brown he's been volunteered. See, yeah. that's how it happens. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we've got that coming up on March the seventeenth. Um, so if you're interested in that. Um, that was a good one last year, but that's going to be, y'all going to do field tours too as well? Is yes, that correct? Yes, strictly an in-person field tours and, um, I mean, we've got it set up in two locations. It's, it's actually two spots you'll park and you'll walk to the tours in that area and then, then we'll rotate the two groups to try and keep everybody, you know, social distance and mask and, you know, and it's, it's, um, knock on wood, the weather will be good and, we got some really nice things to show. Well, good. All right. Well, I'll close it. Um, thanks, everybody, one, one for listening. Thing, don't oh. forget about the pesticide, the unwanted pesticide. Oh, pickup. yes. We got the, the pickup. Sorry. got Forgot about that. Um, there's going to be a pesticide disposal pickup on April 1st um, at the Monroe Department of Ag Office. That's, you know, LDAF office. They're going to be doing it all day, starting at 7 in the morning, going till lunch at 1. Um, if anybody uh, needs some inventory sheets, um, we've got that in our office. They've asked us to get that in your hands just to make everything run a little more smoother. Um, but yeah, that's open to anybody who has unwanted pesticides that they want to dispose. Um, so let us know if you need those sheets and um, be there on the be there on the April first in Monroe. Does that take care of that? 
<laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, thank you, Dr. Daniel Stevenson. We appreciate your time, and um, we'd love to have you back anytime throughout the year. All right, guys. But, uh, thank y'all. Thank y'all. Okay. Thanks for listening. All right. Bye-bye. All right. The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.